0: Welcome back to the Canine Performance Podcast, where it's our mission to help you live the best life with your dog, guaranteed. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie. And today we are bringing a very, very, very important topic to you folks at home. We are talking about the three C's of control. And Natalie, why are we talking about the three C's of control?
1: We are talking about control because it's very important to be able to implement these three C's when it comes to training your dog, but when you say the word control, it elicits a very negative response in humans, and so I want to shed a little bit more light on this specific word, what it specifically means in training, and why you should Strive for these three C's and not avoid them.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess what are the three C's of control?
1: Yes. So you want to have control over your dog. You want to have control over their environment and you also want to have control over yourself,
0: Hmm, That makes sense. So I guess kick us off with the first of the C's controlling your dog.
1: Yes. So for controlling your dog, um, like I already said, controlling, it sounds inhumane. It sounds unfair Uh, for humans. We often, I think, think of control along the same lines as the word dominance or alpha or fear or force and things like that. Or oppression or oppression. Yeah, Yeah. sure. And so there's reasons why things like the saying, uh, give me liberty or give me death or live free or die. Um, people rally behind that because, uh, with too much control dependent on the situation and the context of those situations, it can be a very negative thing. Um, but when it comes to dog training, control over your dog is very important and it comes from a balance of educating your dog, you know, through training developing a relationship with them, implementing leadership with them, giving them freedom, but also trust. So it's kind of a two-way street with them. And so control of your dog should never be them obeying you out of fear um, or out of force, but um, it should also not be avoided because you love them. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that when you say like, oh, control your dog and, you know, do these things to control them. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want my dog to fear me. And if that's the type of control that you're talking about, it's definitely the wrong types of control. So in the first one of controlling our dog, um, this means that when you give a command, it needs to be followed. And not because we say it and if they don't do it, then we're going to punish them. While in some situations that is the case, but we expect these commands to be followed because we educate the dog on what the command means. We show them how to comply with the command um, and then we teach them through repetitions and pattern training of why it's important. And we expect them to follow through with it because like I said, we have a relationship with them. They have an understanding. We've educated them and we have mutual respect for one another. And for safety reasons, it's really important that when we give a command, when we give a cue, when we give a signal that they're obeyed because for things like the drop it command, leave it command, or even the recall, really important for our dog safety.
0: Hmm, that makes a lot of sense. So, rolling right into the next C of control, what is what does that entail?
1: So, in the next C of control is going to be controlling our dog's environment, mm. and we are all products of our environment. I think that's safe to say for anyone, especially humans and dogs, being social creatures. Dogs being pack animals, and while we can't control necessarily what other people do when you're out in the world and out in the environment, it's really important to control what happens in your dog's day and setting them up for success. And we do that through controlling their environment. So crate training, your dog implementing boundaries. So not allowing them up on the bed or up on furniture, putting boundaries on guests, um, controlling, maybe their resources like their food and their toys um, making sure that they don't like rush the door. If they hear a doorbell um, barking at the window, these other types of things. And then when you do go out in public controlling your dog's environment and ensuring that people don't invade your dog's space, Mm. other dogs don't invade your dog's space. Um, If there are things in your environment that are, I guess, impacting your dog in a negative way that they're very fearful of or very highly aroused by, um, by taking them out of that environment and then possibly reintroducing that at a different time when you have more control over them, um, when you build that foundation of obedience training, I guess, so to speak, in your relationship and leadership. So controlling your dog's environment is a huge part. And I am a firm believer that if people were a little bit more intentional in how their dog's environment was set up, that they would have a better behaved dog without having any training at all. Like just implementing some structure and boundaries in the dog's day.
0: Mm-hmm. And what does that look like for some people at home that might not really understand what controlling your environment means? You know what might be one scenario where it would be important to really have control over your dog's environment.
1: Yeah, definitely. something that comes
0: to mind for me is say you know bringing your dog to the vet or bringing them um, into like an area with that's going to have other dogs, going to have other animals, going to have maybe young kids. Um, what does control look like in a scenario like that?
1: So, control in a scenario where you're in an environment that you don't have a lot of control over that environment. That would be more of control, the the first C of control, which is over your dog, which is ensuring that they stay in a place that's going to be safe for them, advocating for them of perhaps you're at the vet and another dog comes too close, telling the owner like, Hey, your dog is, you know, too close or removing your dog away from them. If people come up to your dog advocating for them and saying like, oh, hey, no, you know, my dog can't be greeted. They're actually in training right now. Um, You know, even people forget that no is a complete sentence. So uh, really advocating for your dog in those types of situations. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that segues us nicely into the last C of control, which is?
1: Control over ourselves. Hmm, And why is this important? This is super important in dog training because um, if you've kept up with me on Instagram, a couple of posts back, I talked about how um, your physical body language and um, how we present ourselves to our dogs is going to trump everything else. Our dogs feed off of us the most. We are the biggest thing in their environment. So in every interaction with our dog, we need to show them that we are a leader worth following. Um, Dogs do not do well with instability in their environment. They will do everything that they can to make that more balanced for them. Um, And so if we are trying to control our dogs through means of yelling and force and fear that's not really someone that you want to follow, you know, someone that scares you and and treats you poorly. So, um, and then on the other side of the coin of that is that you don't want, you're not going to follow someone who coddles you consistently and overstimulates you and provides you with over affection. And I think that a lot of the time we think of dogs that are abused of in the fearful way of they've been hit or they've been starved or all these different things. But there's also the other side of the coin for dogs of being abused in the way that they are having too much overly affection overly talked to overly stimulated you know on a daily basis and not given those things that they inherently need and so it's a balance of that of being a part of your dog's environment you need to be cool. You need to be calm, collective, and you need to be assertive and fair to them, um, and loving them in all the right ways. So that way we can lead them effectively. So, um, just remembering that if you get frustrated or angry with your dog in a training session or outside of it, to remove yourself from that situation. Cause that's not how we want to show up for our dogs. We need to have control over ourselves first and foremost, because our dogs do notice that and they will not perform well. And then remembering that our dogs, they aren't human. So, um, your dog doesn't do things out of spite or out of anger. So not to take your dog's behavior personally, and then try to punish them for those different things. So having control over yourself in any given situation with your dog and showing up for them, how they need you to show up.
0: Mm -hmm. And would you say that these three components are all interrelated or are they kind of independent from one another? I mean, how, how would someone work on exerting more control in a way that's, you know, structured and, Mm -hmm you know, balanced, I suppose not, you know, I think it's, it could be very easy for someone to listen to that and go completely militant on their dog. Um, is that what you're recommending or would you say there's steps to, you know, implementing more control in a way that is helpful?
1: Yeah, definitely not being militant with your dog. I think that's someone that isn't being fair or just, um, you know, our dogs are our pets and they're a part of our family first and foremost. And all of these things are definitely interconnected. So, you know, just walking through a scenario of the day of you wake up in the morning and first of all, having your dog in a crate to control the dog's environment, ensuring that they have a space of safety, a place that they can decompress and relax and they're not getting into things at night and you letting them out of the crate in the morning but not overstimulating them to the point where, you know, they rush out of the crate and they're all super hyper and zoomy. And, you know, maybe they start wreaking havoc of jumping all over your couch and jumping up on you. And then you get really frustrated and upset and you're like, no, like, don't do that. And it's one of those things of you need to control the dog's environment of having them in the crate and then also setting them up for success, but then also controlling yourself. If you overstimulate your dog and then they get all really hyper. You, you can't, you can't get upset about that. So they're all interdependent upon each other and control doesn't mean that you need to be militant or anything like that. It just means that you need to have more diligence and you need to be thoughtful about how your dog's environment is. And particularly about yourself and your dog's environment of how you show up and interact with them. If you're loving on them all the time, but you are scared to tell them no or do anything that provides them some rules and boundaries and structure, um, or maybe you try and control too much of their day, then that doesn't give them any sort of independence at all. And they can't learn and they can't thrive. Um, and they just won't have a fun life. So it's definitely just a balance of all these different things. And your dog will let you know if they are struggling with these things and if you're doing something right. And if you're doing something wrong, you'll see that through their behavior.
0: Mm -hmm. And what kind of behaviors Could someone recognize in order to understand that maybe they're being over-controlling or not controlling enough? What does some of that behavior look like?
1: I think that if you're being too over-controlling in your dog's life, you're going to have something that's called a very flat dog. So a flat dog is a dog that is not engaged with you a dog that doesn't want to be around you, that anything that they do, they do it slowly and without any zest or any pep. And that's some—that's just a squashed dog. Um, and if you don't have enough of that, then you, or not enough of control in your dog's life, then you're going to see a dog that is rambunctious and is very hyper and won't listen to any commands.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would you say is the first step towards implementing more control over one's dog.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say just putting some basic boundaries on your dog, um, teaching them some impulse control. And then, uh, you know, so in their day, if someone comes over, put a leash on your dogs, so that way they won't jump on people and ask your guests to be very calm. And you also remain calm. I think that guests are a huge trigger for dogs. And that's one of the things that's very consistent with any dog that comes to me in training is, my dog jumps on guests when they come over. And so when people come over, you yourself as the owner are very flustered and very frustrated. And then that trickles down into your dog and, you know, they also feed off of that energy. And then the energy of the person coming in is super excited. So, um, holding control of yourself, keeping your dog on a leash that way they can't rush to the guests and ensuring that they remain calm and you educate them and you teach them and then you allow them to go and greet the guests. So that's an example of you controlling yourself, also controlling your dog, also controlling the environment.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess what I was trying to get at there is like, what is one thing that nearly everyone can do that would help them to exercise more control over the dog? One or two things like, you know,
1: I would say like crating your dog. Is that what yeah, you're looking like for? Yeah, like
0: crating the leash. You know, you just mentioned putting a leash on your dog. Like what are just, if I'm, you know, if I'm someone that knows not really much about dog training at all and I'm trying to take something away actionable from mm-hmm. this podcast right here, what is, what are those like one or two things that nearly everyone could do?
1: I would definitely say crating your dog um, and starting with some basic obedience. So a couple of posts ago I talked about existential feeding, um, just working with your dog and teaching them so that way you can start having control over your dog, the first C of control. Um, working with their food motivation to be able to do that, controlling their environment by putting boundaries on the furniture. So not being up on the bed, not being up on the couch or on chairs, um, crating them whenever you're not home or at night um, and then controlling obviously yourself in those situations. So not getting frustrated and upset of being angry and yelling at your dog or when you see some pushback from your dog, not just giving in and having too much over coddling or over affection. Um, just having a balance of all those.
0: Mm. So what I took away from that was basic obedience, implementing things like crate and just setting some boundaries that you can enforce inside of the house, and then also not being overly empathetic as an owner to cave in every time your dog, you know, gives you some pushback or resistance. So you say that's pretty accurate.
1: Yes, absolutely. Cool. That's some well, very basic things that you well, can do today.
0: That's going to wrap up, I believe, uh, our podcast on the three C's of control. Do you have anything else to share with the people at home before we wrap this one up, Natalie? Uh,
1: Nope. I think that was everything that I wanted to cover.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. If you want to keep up with us online, you can find us on the web at www.canineperformancecoach.com or on Instagram at canine underscore performance. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you guys wouldn't mind dropping a review or... Rating us five stars on the podcast app that you're listening to. It's super helpful and it helps the podcast spread. And that's going to be it for this episode of the K9 Performance Podcast. This is Matt and Natalie signing off. See you guys in the next one.